Welcome to Farm Women Food. Come on out to the farm and meet some Iowa women who know how to cook, farm, and do stuff. If you are interested in raising your own chickens, knitting a sweater from your harvested wool, or you just want to eat real food, you've come to the right place. Farm Women Food. Catching a chicken at night. Enter the chicken's sleeping quarters well after dark equipped with twine or a burlap bag. Carry a flashlight. Quietly grasp the bird you want by its two skinny legs. Make sure the two legs are from the same chicken. And then tie twine firmly around them. Or put it in a bag and tie the mouth on that. Or haul it out with a firm grip around those two ankles and leave it for the night in an empty rabbit hutch where you'll be able to easily reach in and grab it in the morning. Actually, holding a bird by its legs can be a bit of a struggle because they're not crazy about being upside down and will flap their wings and try to get righted. Avoid that wing flapping. Better yet, carry it in the polite and friendly way, which is to hold the wings down and put it under your arm with one hand on a leg or two, just in case. Carla Emery, The Encyclopedia of Country Living. Greetings. Welcome back to my podcast, Farm Women Food. I'm your host, Mary. And in this episode, we are chatting with Shannon Latham, Vice President of Latham High Tech Seeds. We're going to be talking about raising chickens for food and finding sources for homegrown chickens for those of us who don't want to or can't raise our own. As co-owner of Latham Seeds, Shannon works closely to bring world-class technology home to rural communities throughout Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and the Dakotas. She uses her prior experience of owning her own communications-slash-public relations business, as well as being a public relations specialist at the Myox Group, to work closely with the president at Latham Seeds to develop business plans, strategies, programs, and tactical incentives to grow sales. While operating her business, one of her most notable projects was the grand opening of Jordan Creek Town Center in West Des Moines, Iowa. Shannon has an extensive background working with a variety of agricultural programs from the beginning farmer loan program to local and state 4-H programs. Shannon lives with her husband, John, and their two children near Sheffield, Iowa. As owner of Enchanted Acres Pumpkin Patch, she has a passion for people, animals, and agriculture. You can read more about Shannon's impressive background with her full bio on my blog page for this podcast on farmgirlcooking.com. Thanks. Let's get started. Shannon, thanks for joining me. 
It's always fun to talk with you, Mary. I appreciate the invitation to be here today. All right. Well, I would love to find out a little bit more about your chicken operation. I know that you've been raising chickens for food, but I don't know how you got started. And I know you're selling some. Did you start out that way or did you just start raising them for your family? Would you just tell me a little bit about that? I'd be glad to. So when I was growing up, um, I remember my parents oftentimes would say, we just fed ourselves tonight. So it would be chicken. It would be vegetables from the garden. It might be raspberries and strawberries. And so I always grew up, I guess, with a sense of food security, knowing that we could grow our own. But I didn't appreciate how much I actually enjoyed food production until I was an adult or maybe more specifically more specifically until I became a mom and decided that I wanted my kids to know where their food comes from. So when I was able to finally buy an acreage of my own, I wanted to raise chickens because I just had the best memories um, of going out to visit my grandparents' farm and helping my grandma um, gather the eggs. But then, as I mentioned before, my mom also raised broilers. So, um, my mom kind of was like, Hey, I'm going to hang, I'm going to hand those reins over to you. I'm done raising chickens because now you have a place to raise your own. So that's really, um, I think how it started was that I had the facilities. And so, um, it was just a chance for me to start raising them on our own because, I think that food tastes better when you produce it yourself. Maybe it's because you've put all the blood, sweat, and tears into it. But um, No, I but, agree with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But also, I just think there's something about uh, homegrown, yeah, home, whether it's homegrown produce, homegrown livestock. And even though I don't, um, even though I don't raise my own beef, we do purchase beef locally. I just am a big proponent of, of locally grown foods. Okay. So am I. So now you mentioned the word broiler. And I know when I'm doing some research on it, there's broilers and roasters and cockerels and all these different terms. And I really don't know what they mean (laughs) as far as what chickens I'm getting. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. You probably know more about those different terms than I do by researching them. I just know that my mom raised broilers, my grandma raised broilers. And so when I called the hatchery, I ordered broilers okay there you go well that's that's part of it there so I guess what I understand is that you know roaster is just old (laughs) you've waited too long you waited a little longer it's a little bigger and I think that's the same thing with the cockerel it's just a a male rooster that you've just that you've decided it's going to be stew (laughs) whatever sure. so. and you know that's probably maybe that's the term for my hens once they've stopped laying eggs as efficiently oh, okay. as they should yeah. right we turn them into soup chickens okay. um but as far as the broilers go their whole lifespan is about eight to ten weeks okay um, that's not very long no it's not very long so when you're talking about old chickens I'm like yep they're not gonna get very old they just uh that's just how long it takes it doesn't take very long at all to get them ready for market so how many um batches of chicken do you do in a season then so it really depends uh you know I've done before fall and spring but just because I also have a full-time job I'm a mom of two teenagers that 
tend to be quite involved in activities, I realize that it's just more enjoyable to do one. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so it works well for me. Um, I know a lot of people talk about getting spring chicks. I've done that before, but it really works well for me to get fall chicks just because I have a seasonal pumpkin patch. So I am out there um, either working in our pumpkin fields or setting up the produce stands or working, you know, just working around there a lot more in the fall. And, and let's be honest, baby chicks take time and attention. So it works yeah. well for me. Um, yeah. To get those chicks in the fall when I'm going to be around the farm more. Okay. That makes sense. I was thinking that, oh, you're just going to be too busy because I've seen you just working out on that pumpkin <laughs> patch and you're a pretty busy lady. Well, I think we probably all have our different levels of comfort, right? If you asked my husband, he'd be like, oh my gosh, like you need to, you don't need one more thing to do. But if you ask me, it's just a more efficient use of my time. Well, okay. Well, you're a very efficient woman. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So what kind of breeds do you look at for raising food when you're, when you're looking at those chickens? Yeah. So like I said, when I'm going to order the meat birds, and I think that's another thing is people um, don't often understand, you know, that there are meat animals, there's show animals, there's fancy animals. So like for our chickens, for the meat birds that we get broilers, for our laying hens, I, I tend to always get the buff Orpingtons because I like the size of their eggs. Um, I think that they're, they just work really well. I've had some other spe other species that I've gotten that fly the coop, literally. You know, what's fun, <laughs> what's fun for me, um, I think having a small farm is you, you have a whole new appreciation for where some of these common everyday <laughs> phrases come from. Like, oh, yep, yeah. that chicken just flew the coop. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, I think a lot of our little euphemisms right. come from those places and stuff like that so um so when you say a broiler uh-huh you don't have a certain breed name of a breed that you get I, or or i don't it's just i just order broilers um and maybe we should talk with somebody from hoover's hatchery maybe to <laughs> and i could get a little educated as well but i always get my broilers there okay. um and literally i always order 60 and it just seems like that's a good number for us because um we probably eat fresh chicken about once a week here um that's enough you know for my fan my parents to have their own fresh chicken it still allows us to be able to sell some every year as well okay well i was wondering about that as how you figured out how many you were going to get so you kind of figured out based on how many times you eat chicken a week and and then kind of went from that direction yep, huh? yep absolutely and you know, here's the other thing that I think is interesting. Like I always want all my chicken cut up. So that way, if I, if I want to, I can make fried chicken because I just don't think there's anything like home fried chicken, but it was interesting to me. Um, the first time that I ordered my chickens processed, um, which a sidebar, we have to have them processed at a, a state inspected and licensed facility since we sell them. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to take them um, in, I was just going to have them all cut up. And I never thought about the fact that that people would want whole chickens. And so um, anyway, long story short. So I've learned that kind of by process, trial and error, um, that I probably get about a third of them cut up and the rest whole because a lot of other people like to use them whole. Oh, yeah. I, I buy a whole chicken when I 
oftentimes. Um, but I'm really horrible at cutting it up myself. I'm, I don't want I, to cut it up myself. I don't myself. have that skill set. So. I don't have the knives or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes. But, yeah, it's a skill set and a good knife. You need both of those yeah. things. And so if I'm going to fry a chicken, then I'm going to buy it cut up too. So I could see where you'd want to do both of those when you, when you um, were figuring that out. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to ask you a little bit about what in your chickens. So do you have yours free range? Or are they all in a, do you have a run or how do you manage your 60 chickens and probably some layers besides? Yep. So I have separate coops for the layers, um, and the broilers. So they're in separate quarters and then ours are really, um, yeah, they're not free range. They're not, but they do have free run. So, um, and one of the reasons we do that is, well, first of all, broilers, just because of the way they were built, um, and their purpose in life, they, they can't run around like a regular chicken. They just, they have, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're shorter, they're squattier, and then they're growing rapidly. Like they're eating, 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 because that's what their mission in life is, is to become food on the table. And so um, the heavier they get, the harder it is for them to walk. And they can still walk. There's misconceptions about that. They still walk. Um, but again, they're not going to be able to outrun some things. They're going to have, yeah. they're yeah. going to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, we um, have that problem too. <laughs> right, right. And and I don't even think a broiler can fly now that I think about that. Um, so they don't have, the, they also don't have that natural ability to be able to protect themselves. So um, ours are all in a building. Okay. Well, but they have, yeah, but they have access to go outside. Okay. Yeah. The, re- the reason I asked that is because uh, I, I really love this book. It's it's the Encyclopedia of Com- Country Living, and it's by Carla Emery. And my uh-huh. mom used to just love that her original cookbook, and she just has these wonderful stories. But one of the things I was reading in there is they said, don't get white chickens if you're going to have free-range chickens. And I thought, well, that seems kind of weird. But when you're talking about they predators can spot them easier. <laughs> And that's well, that what, makes sense. Doesn't that, that make they, sense? I would have never thought about it, but sure, that makes sense. Yeah. So now are your broilers pretty much all white chickens? They are every single one of them. Yeah, white. that's yes. kind of pretty much what I had seen is that they, they were white yeah. chickens. So yeah, it would be just mean to let them be <laughs> try to be running around, wouldn't it? Yeah. And Not you know, yet. and even with our laying hens, like um, you know, my Growing up, my dad always said about our livestock, you feed me or I feed you, then you feed me. Right. So, (laughs) so I knew that that was their purpose. And so my whole thing is like, if I'm raising chickens for eggs, I don't, you know, I don't want them to become some skunks dinner or some foxes dinner or whatever. I want them to feed us. And so, um, so most often I, I, even if they're outside during the day, then I'll shut the door on them at night because if I don't, I've had literally yeah, the case where something's coming and either taking a chicken or taking my eggs. So, right. okay. No, and then I have one other weird little thing to ask you about, but I think you may have kind of answered it because you really pretty much are using only your broilers for um, eating. Yes. One of the things I read is that the dark meat is made up of muscle. 
And the more the chicken runs and flies, the more dark meat you'll find on the chicken. And that if it actually flies, the breast could be dark. And I didn't know if you'd ever encountered anything like that. Wow, this is fascinating. I'm like learning so much from you today. Mary. <laughs> um, you know, ours, like I said, I've never seen ours fly. I don't even know that they can fly. Right. Um, and And you're not eating any of your laying chickens that could fly or any of that anyway so you wouldn't notice it I suppose yeah and quite honestly when our laying chickens stop laying they become we we use them for soup chickens so it all gets mixed together um it just all gets mixed together in a can which by the way is so convenient especially for this winter which seems to be like day after day of soup weather (laughs) but really um, yeah so literally it's just like canned in a quart jar so you've got your your meat and your chicken broth all right there and it's just so handy whether you're gonna make chicken and biscuit chicken and noodle or chicken noodle soup so um now i have never canned anything with a pressure canner and i know that because it's meat you have to use a pressure canner not water bath just for anybody that's out there that doesn't know about canning so would you explain a little bit about that process you know I wish I could but I am spoiled Mary I my mom does that for me oh so, your mom does it yeah <laughs> well, my, maybe we should go see your mom I and have know. her teach us <laughs> well I, I know it's like one of these things I'm like I have got to hone some skills so <laughs> um, if people have been to my pumpkin patch in the fall they'll know my mom loves canning so there's all kinds of, of right, jellies yeah. and jams and that's that's her um, she does that. And I, I tend to be the livestock girl. Like I'll go out, take care of the goats. Um, but mm-hmm. I just, and I do like to cook. I just, I don't know. I guess I need to make that be a new year's resolution. I have not learned to can. Well, I do a lot of water bath canning and then uh-huh. I have kind of this fancy, I call it R2D2 cause it looks just kind of like a, <laughs> a little <laughs> robot, but, um, it is a steam canner uh-huh. and, Um, which I love because I can walk away from my jams and jellies or salsas or that kind of stuff Uh and just let it go. But I can't do, it's it's still not a pressure canner. And I've been a little kind of scared of them. Well, I can relate to that. I'm intimidated by my Instapot. I'm like, I got one for (laughs) Christmas and it needs to get out of the box. So I don't know. Well, I haven't gone there yet either, but I think, I think I need to do it, but, but yeah, it's a little intimidating. That's right. So, okay. So we're talking about feeding the chickens. And so do you use commercial feeds, organic, or um, feed them a lot of scraps? What is your feeding for your meat ones in particular? Yeah. So I, there's a local feed store that I purchase from and I just, yeah, I purchase separate lane feed um, for the lane hens and then separate feed for the broilers. And, um, and honestly, you have to feed them different, different rations for their age and stage. So there'll be, um, you know, a little bit different feed for them when they're newly hatched. And then they get a little bit older and they get a grower feed it's called cause they're growing. Um, yeah, so it really depends on the age and stage, but since it's eight weeks, it goes really fast. Okay, um, that makes sense. Do you feed them any scraps? Like uh, one of the things that I know for my chickens, my mm-hmm. husband used to take grape tomatoes out to them every single day. 
<laughs> yes, and and uh, ours get fed. I'm sure you won't be surprised here. Ours get fed a lot of pumpkins and squash. So, <laughs> no, that um, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it, but they they love them, and they'll pick out the insides and the seeds are really nutritious for them. Um, yeah, so ours do. You know, it's all about what you've got on hand. And ours ours get a lot of pumpkins and squash. Okay, well, you've talked a lot about. Um, you know, pr- a little bit about prepping and how you store yours. So you do some frozen and then some canned, it sounds like, when you're when you're doing your processing. So, mm-hmm. and you've talked a little bit about the weight and age of them. So one of the things I want to know is, have you, have you ever butchered your own chickens or do you, have you always taken them somewhere else to be processed? So since I've been an adult, I have always taken them somewhere else to be processed. When I was a kid, it used to be like a neighborhood process. So our next door neighbor absolutely loved, oh my gosh, she was the best cook. Going over, getting invited there for dinner was always a treat. So she loved fresh chicken too. And she grew up on a farm. So it, and my dad at one time was a butcher. So anyway, long story short, it was, yes, the whole process at our house in my parents' garage. Um, and then I remember taking a PTO day as a young adult to go home and help my parents butcher chickens because, you know, in my family, their philosophy is if, you know, if you want to, if you want to partake, you better come out. Yes, exactly. You better come help. And so then I remember literally saying to my parents after that day, I was like, okay, now that I'm making my own money, I will gladly pay someone to do this because (laughs) I was young and single and, you know, like an afternoon on someone else's boat or a shopping trip or something, (laughs) anything. Yeah. Anything was a better use of my PTO day. So, you know, I know where my chickens come from. I know how they're processed, but I am quite fine with having someone else process them for me and putting them in the bag. So all I have to do is put them in the pot or the fryer. <laughs> well, very good. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute because it just reminded me of a story. I think I was probably 18, 19, 20 coming back and my mom had a harebrained idea. She hadn't had them since I was a little kid. <laughs> she and my sister-in-law decided they were going to buy a hundred chickens. Oh, they they were just running all over the farm. And I remember coming back to help them with it. And the smell was was horrible, you know, when you're, you know, because you're you're scalding and plucking and then and singeing feathers and and Mm -hmm. pulling. Yeah, the whole thing. And I can I remember the the whole thing. My sister-in-law chopping the heads off and then the you know it, it was a fiasco I, I just say it was not a good plan so I would say probably I would be I'm sorry what um so I was saying that's another one of those sayings you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off yes. like I've seen that and don't need to relive it so yeah, yeah. I don't either. <laughs> all right so with that said I if I decided I wanted to do this, where would I find a place to process them? So Martin's Poultry Processing in Green is the place to go. I, I've talked with people from Dyke, people from, who live up by the Iowa-Minnesota border, and it seems like everyone's going to Martin's because um, 
I think there's just so many rules and regulations that you have to follow and there's costs involved with being state inspected um, or, or federally inspected. And so that's why there's so few facilities available. So you go, you have yours processed and then do you bring them back to your farm and then sell them from there? Yes. Yep. And okay. so what you do is you take your live birds there in the morning um, and put them into cages. The cages are numbered so they can keep each grower, um, you know, separate. And then you know what time your birds will be done. They're literally, they're bagged. And so they need to get into the refrigeration or the freezer unit. So that's what I do is um, I bring them back. There's some people I know who want them fresh, so they pick them up immediately. And then the rest of them go in the freezer um, to be sold. Okay. So do you catch your own chickens? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so give me some tips on that. Well, we have this little wire chicken catcher for, okay. for a lack right. of a better term. And it is, it's been in our family. I think my dad bought it from the farm he grew up on for all I know. Um, but it's just really handy. You can just grab their leg with that. Um, also the broilers, they, they can't run like a laying hen can. So, um, yeah, so usually what happens is it's usually me and my mom and dad, maybe one of my kids, one of us a catch, hand it to the other person, and we literally put them in a livestock trailer, and that's how we haul them um, to the processor. Okay, that that makes sense. So how many do you do, you do like the whole bunch at one time? Yes, yep, okay, so we take so- them all in at once. And I never thought about this either because I love a meaty bird. Like I think that's one of the advantages of of producing your own chickens is that you can have them nice and meaty. And so they're always uh, between six and eight pounds um, when the dress weight is. It is a big chicken. And I didn't think about that because again, that's what I grew up with. Um, But somebody's like, why do you have to grow these so big? And I was like, well, gosh, why wouldn't I wouldn't, why wouldn't I want meat on the bone? So, well, that's not, I bought a chicken the other day at the, at the grocery store and I went to Fairwake because you can get a whole chicken pretty quick, you know, there, uh-huh. but, but it was maybe three, four pounds, you oh, know, wow. and, and, you know, if I'm going to spend that time roasting a chicken or right. I want to be able to have three or four meals out of it. I want to be able to eat it when I've roasted it. Yeah. Um, I made a, um, green chili chicken um soup mm, and that then, sounds good and then i want to turn around and probably have some i might shred some or have a chicken sandwich i love a cold chicken sandwich just with right. butter and salt and pepper you know it doesn't need anything more than that if it's a good chicken and then i always make um chicken stock from uh-huh. what's left so i i try to get right quite a bit out of that and Boy, I just didn't have very much meat on that. I was kind of disappointed. Well, I'll tell you, I haven't bought a chicken at the store. And so maybe that that explains it. I didn't realize that my chickens would be literally twice the size of what <laughs> well, someone would be I'm coming to buy chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I do, too, after I've roasted a chicken is, is I like to freeze it in like one and a half, two cup servings. It makes it so easy if you just want to grab something, you know, out of the freezer, put together a chicken enchilada or some quick fix, you know, have right, supper ready in 20 right. minutes or so. So exactly. I'm like you. I'm going to I'm going to try to, you know, I always say leftovers are my friends. I'm going to try to get as much mileage out of that as I can. OK, very good. So while we're talking about chicken recipes I and you had mentioned that fried chicken is one of your favorites and it really is, I think. 
most people, in the, if you ask them what their favorite meal is, they're going to say fried chicken is one of those big ones. And when I was first married, my husband said, oh, I wish you could make pan fried chicken like my mom made. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, there's the catch, right? It's because it's never going to be. It's You're never going to be like right? mom. Exactly. It's never going to be mom's chicken. And I just never really fried anything at home. I was, I, I was in my young adulthood where you're you shouldn't fry things. Right. Don't eat fried food. So I just hadn't done it, and I just could not get the hang. I couldn't get the hang of it, and it wasn't deep fat frying. I knew that it was because right. my mom had done that. It was a pan fried chicken. So I finally found a recipe in the Farm Journal Country Cookbook from 1959. <laughs> which teaches you how to make pan fried chicken. Gosh, maybe you can share that because I'll be the first to admit mine is not nearly as good as my mom's. Oh, I, it works. <laughs> it works. I swear to God that, you know, like, because this is people, you know, this would be his mom's age. Right. And what kind of surprised me about it is when you make it, there's nothing really special in the ingredients. Cause it's just your, your fryers, um, flour, flour salt, salt, pep pepper, yep. little paprika. And then about an inch about a half an of inch oil. of oil or melted fat. So they probably were uh -huh. using, you know, my shortening. grandma was a fan of Crisco. Crisco. Yep. That's right. Well, it didn't burn. Mm -hmm. And um, it was probably easier to store and less expensive. I'm sure too. But then they tossed, you know, tossed the chicken in the bag. We've done that before. Kind of like yep. shake and bake. And right. then the thing that surprised me about it was they browned the chicken on all sides for about 20 minutes and then they reduced the heat and they put a little water in the pan and covered it. Okay. And so that, that was for about 20 to 30 minutes because they wanted to cook it all the way through. That's always my problem is getting it cooked all the way through because all the pieces are right. different rates. So then at the end, you uncovered it for the last five to 10 minutes and it crisps way back up again. And everything's cooked all the way through and crispy and yummy. The one part I didn't do was I didn't cook the giblets, the neck and the liver. Oh, no, no, I do. I don't know. No, but, uh, <laughs> but I think you're right. I think that that's the key is to get it all cooked through, adding that little bit of water and covering it. But the other thing why I don't make fried like chicken and why I request it when I go to my mom's house it's so time intensive it's like oh, it an is, hour yes. it's yeah. like an hour and I always think well or I could pop it in the oven and in 60 to 90 minutes you know I could be folding a lot of laundry I could be making dessert for goodness sake like <laughs> that's where it's at for me is in the baked goods so yes um so that's usually what I do is is I'll do like a rice crispy chicken or I've got what's uh, a rice crispy chicken tell me about that one yeah so it's supposed to be like a version of Kentucky fried chicken but it's really not Colonel Sanders recipe but it's so <laughs> good it's you crush up rice krispies you put in a little accent salt and pepper stick it in a ziploc bag give it a shake um yeah and then you pop it in the oven but literally if you google rice crispy oven chicken yeah it should bring up the recipe so I make that one quite a bit okay well I'm gonna have to try that one because because um I do like a good 
crispy chicken, but I'm like you. I don't like to st- I, I I don't like to stand over and fry it, and because it really takes a lot of attention. And it does. It does take a lot of attention. But just know, don't bake it like don't bake it too long in the oven. That's my biggest. Oh, I hate that if I get distracted and I don't hear my timer, and then the next thing you know, you got your like you're all your mouth is watering, you know, you're you're thinking about this succulent chicken and then it's all dried out. So yeah, you do need to make sure you hear the timer. I have just in the last few years really become a fan of a meat thermometer because I have a tendency to overcook everything because my mom overcooked everything. (laughs) We just did that. That was the way we did stuff. It was overcooked because we were always afraid of safety face food safety exactly so you know we overcooked our pork and our meat you know everything so now i I, and it really has made a big difference in the quality of the food yeah i think you're right i think taking it out the proper temperature is huge to the way it tastes yeah so and i uh, i'm kind of like you too i like a a quick chicken recipe but i'll eat chicken three times a week Mm-hmm. As long as it's, you know, different, you know, right. Add some different spices. And I like to grill chicken quite a bit. That's a, one of my favorites. So, well, I think that that was a wonderful conversation. Shannon. I well, I certainly had fun visiting with you. Fun. That was really great. So, oh, I was going to tell you a story real quick about oh, my mom. So my dad was notorious for telling my mom, I wish you could make this like my mom used to, right? And so I specifically remember probably being about 10 and it was, we'd gone out and picked lettuce from the garden. And my dad is like, I really would like to have some um, wilted lettuce with, you know, the bacon dressing over it. And so my mom says to my grandma who was visiting that day, say, why don't you make this? And we'll, we'll just let him think I did and see what he has to say. (laughs) So, yeah. So my grandma made it and my, and my mom's like, so Jim, what do you think about this, you know, bacon dressing? And he goes, well, it's pretty good, but it's not like my mom used to make. (laughs) So yes. Awesome. Uh She got him. She got him good. But I think, I think oftentimes we have such great memories associated with some of, um, with our childhood that, you know, I don't know, maybe my chicken could be as good as my mom's, but you just grow up and you think it's like the best ever. So, you know, oh, yeah. it's hard Food to top memories. those yeah. memories. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. So, well, again, thanks so much for chatting with me today. That was really fun. I, I, I really have to get down and buy some chickens from you because I really do want more meat on the bone here so there you go i'm seeing now you know where to find them mary now hopefully other of your listeners will know where to find fresh farm-raised plump chicken hi this is mary again i hope you enjoyed my interview with shannon If you would like to know more about Shannon or buy chickens from her, you will find more information on her website, EnchantedAcresIA.com. Getting to know where your food comes from is an important key to understanding all of its impacts. Choosing to buy local influences your local families, local economies, local communities, and local health. Local associations like the one Shannon belongs to, Healthy Harvest of North Iowa, will provide you with lists of local producers and farmers markets in your area. 
Some even have great search engines and you can search for producers that follow the growing practices that you're concerned about, such as cage-free, organic, etc. My teacher side says I haven't given you a recap of raising chickens for food, so here are a few steps. Purchase your baby chicks or broilers from a reputable hatchery. Provide adequate shelter and housing and a temperature for the delicate chicks. Chicks don't free range until the age of four months, which is basically full life for a broiler. So using a method of moving the coop around called a chicken tractor is the best way to move your chicks to a new location every day. That will provide a clean area, new grass and new bugs for to eat for your chicks. There are lots of different chicken tractor designs online. Take a look around and you'll find some great plans. As far as regulating the temperature, the amount of work you'll have to do to maintain this will depend on your location. Baby chicks aren't very good at regulating their own temperature. They need to be 95 degrees for the first week, 90 the second week, and 85 the next week, and so on. Provide food and water. Your chicks will need food for every stage of their life. You should be able to find feed at a local co-op, farm store, or if neither of those is available in your area, check online. Keep their environment clean and watch them grow. Chickens can be pretty messy doing their business in their food and water. You will waste less food and water if you give them smaller amounts more often or purchase feeders and waters that will help you solve that problem. Butcher between 8 and 12 weeks depending on your breed and the size you want your chickens. And lastly, stock up your freezer and enjoy those chicken dinners. Hey listeners, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'd like to give a great big thanks to Shannon Latham also for sharing her knowledge about homegrown chickens. So if you enjoy cooking and reading about farm life, check out her blog called The Field Position that comes out every Friday. And read about Shannon's beautiful pumpkin patch on her site Enchanted Acres at EnchantedAcresIA.com. Follow this podcast series on your favorite podcast app and put a little farm in your life. Stay tuned for our next episode, Pork Chops, Ham Balls, and Sausage Gravy. We will be talking about raising pigs for small farms and sharing our guests' favorite classic Iowa pork recipes. You can find links to our show notes, today's recipes, resources for buying and raising chickens for food, and more on my blog at farmgirlcooking.com. Bye for now. Keep it simple and enjoy. Enjoy.